Welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. We're happy that you're joining us here on the podcast again today. Katie, what is happening in Iowa this week? It's cold. It's real freaking cold. It's actually warmer today, but it's been real freaking cold. Um, what? February in Iowa? Lots of snow? I know, right? Um... And my passport finally came, so I bought some plane tickets because I'm getting the hell out of here. And because I apparently don't understand how to get the hell out of here, I'm going further north. Um, so there's that. That's right, folks. Do you want to tell our listeners where you're going? Yeah, yeah. we're gonna actually no, see I'm going each to... other in person, in the real, in the real. I'm out of here. I'm going to Arlene's. Um, yeah. For anyone who's missed this, we've only spent time together in person once and that was only for lunch and cheese shopping so yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna go see arlene and her family is that right was it 2019 i think it was 2018 it's a while ago oh yeah anyway it's a long time the little ago. boy was a baby yeah so that was yeah, 2018 he sat on my lap for so katie could finish her sandwich so yeah he was definitely a little yeah bit. yeah so, yeah, so I'm very filling up our, our weekends, Katie. Oh. I don't have any uh, final plans for you yet, but uh, if there are Eastern Ontario listeners who want to join us for, uh, I don't know, supper or something, I'm going to put it in the Facebook group. So join the Facebook well, be group, a lot of fun. and then you can hang out with both of us in real life. I did have a good laugh, too, Arlene. You posted on Instagram a, a couple weeks ago, I think, about going to costco and that you had stocked up and for a minute i thought it was stacks of toilet paper and i was like geez what is she like how long does she think i'm staying and then i realized it was paper towels because you're a dairy farmer and that made a hell of yeah. a lot more sense yeah that's the stack like, wow of paper she's towels. really stocking up there uh arlene what's going on in canada well exam week is done so that is good people got through their first round of exams and uh, today is actually, we're recording on Wednesday, they threw in a midweek day off, which I didn't realize was happening. So, well, I guess I, I saw it, maybe they, the school emailed last week to, to remind us about this day off. Um, so it was not as much of a surprise, but yeah, I wasn't really expecting a Wednesday with the kids home from school. And I am back to volunteering in the grade three classroom. I had to pause there for a second and remind myself what grade my youngest child is in. I've got four kids, so I can't always remember. So I've been doing some reading with those little people, and it's so cute because they're still at the age where they're excited when someone's mom comes in, and they, like, fight over who gets to read with me. And that probably isn't going to last for too much longer because they're all eight turning nine in, in the grade that they're in. So they're starting to turn into big kids. But for now, they still line up to read with me so that's been fun and i don't think there's too much else we've had a run of bull calves in the barn lately but we did get uh, one nice heifer out of a a cow so the grandmother her name is apple crisp and we bought her at a sale for a family who were um, going out of 
out of dairying. So we uh, bought her and she's kind of special. She, um, not like in a bad way, but she's always in a box stall because she needs a bit more lunch space. So she's our, our one cow that kind of gets her own housing. And so she's very spoiled and you have to go in and pet her when you arrive first thing in the morning because she likes attention too. And so her, she's Apple Crisp. Her daughter's name is Strawberry Crisp. And then this year, our naming convention is back to A's. She wasn't born here. She started with an A, but we're back around at A's. So we've been um, strategizing on all the apple-based desserts for this calf's name. So we settled on apple dumplings. So the whole dessert Oh, I would have assumed it would have been Applejack, but okay. Is Applejack a uh, cereal? What is Applejack? There is an Apple Jacks cereal, but okay. Apple Jack is, I want to say, Apple Brandy. Oh, Which I think okay. is a dessert, but okay. Yeah, um, I don't even know if yeah. we have that. Oh, yeah, maybe we do have that. Anyway, huh. brand differences again, sweeties. <laughs> I don't think we have Apple Jack cereal either. But yeah, we went with a dessert. Yeah. Well, that's so good. At least the... I, can, I can sleep out in a barn with, uh, with Apple Crisp. While I visit, <laughs> yeah, and just yeah, in kick it in her box stall with her. Yeah, that'll yeah, be she's nice. Got room. So on the uh, teacher front, I think our guest today—I know our guest today—is a teacher. So you guys will be happy to listen to her. Yeah. Awesome. Today on the podcast, we're talking to M Melissa Nelson, who's joining us from Northwest Iowa. So, Melissa, we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way for you to introduce yourself to our listeners, and we ask, what are you growing? So this can cover crops, livestock, kids, businesses, and all kinds of other stuff. So, Melissa, what are you growing? Uh, right now, we are growing a couple kids and some fat cattle and um, a few businesses, too. That is exciting. Okay, so we need all the details. How old are the kids? Um, I have two right now. They are two and a half and four and a half. Uh, so little and fun, but also a little insane at the same time. But <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, what kind of uh, cattle are we talking about? Um, so my husband and I, um, my husband works full time with his dad and brother, and we have uh, two feedlots and a cow herd. Um, right now we are feeding out calves that we bought from my parents, which is kind of fun. Um, for the two of us to um, kind of work with, work on together as a family, I suppose. Um, so we've got black calves, baldy calves. Um, my parents sell black bulls, so um, there's a lot of black calves in the feedlot right now. And do you guys grow some crops as well? Obviously not this time of year because we're, uh, yes. we're recording in January, but the rest of the um, year? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little chilly. Um, by the time we listen to this, we'll be uh, really getting in the groove of getting ready for planting. Uh, on our farm, we grow corn and soybeans, and uh, we gr grow some hay, too. That's great. And you mentioned businesses. Do you want to tell us what they are? Yeah. Uh, my husband and I are kind of uh, serial entrepreneurs a little bit. So we've each had our own small businesses. We've had small businesses together. We've had small businesses with friends and family members. Um, right now, the businesses that I am a part of is uh, my business, Hungry Canyon, which I think we're going to talk more about later, but that's um, farm and ranch related greeting cards and gifts. And um, I also just started a new business with a friend of mine called Meet Me on Main Street. And that business is all about bringing experiences to small towns that you might find in um, larger, more urban areas that um, 
we like to take part in too in small rural life. So um, doing small town events and highlighting small businesses and just bringing fun to main streets across rural America. Oh, that sounds really fun. I think we'll have to get more into that one too while we're talking. Yeah. Melissa, I'd love to hear more too about your, was it Rural Route Rambles? Is that the correct name? Yes. Um, I actually looked up coming over for it before I remembered that I was six hours from one side to the other. And that wasn't really tiny detail in the cards for a day trip, um, you know, 12 hours of driving around trip. Yeah. So do you, obviously you come from a farm background yourself? I do. Yeah. Um, I grew up on a farm and Angus cattle operation in Nebraska. Um, I have two younger sisters. The three of us were very involved in the farm and cattle operation growing up um, and still are to some point a little bit, each of us in our own ways today. Um my parents had, I mean, they were also serial entrepreneurs. We kind of, that's kind of where I got it from. They, we had, we lived right outside of Omaha um, in a small town called Springfield. It was about five miles outside of the suburban area of Omaha. And so we took advantage of every niche market that you can imagine. So sold freezer beef. We raised broilers and dressed them out ourselves and sold broilers. We sold eggs. We had like 800 laying hens that we sold eggs in a fridge on the side of our house um, to people. Uh, my parents had a pumpkin patch. They had a trucking company, hay grinding business. Like the list could go on of the little side businesses that fit into the greater, you know, overarching theme of the farm. Um, but that's kind of where I think I get a little bit of that itch for doing extra little things on the side. Um, so yeah, grew up in agriculture. Um, I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and got a, a degree in ag communications, um, leadership education and communications technically, which I think all those things work with what I do today in, my, in all areas of my life. Um, and then after college, I came up to Northwest Iowa and married my husband and um, I've had a, I've had two jobs up here, full-time jobs on the, on the side of these, these are side businesses, you know. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where my agriculture background started was at home on the farm. And then do you and your husband both work off farm or? Um... Yeah, so I do full-time. Um, my husband, he is, he farms and feeds cattle and has the cow herd with um, his dad and his brother. Um, so he farms full time and um, I work actually at Morningside University in the ag agriculture department um, and that's in Sioux City. So Morningside is a small private college that has an ag program that's been growing for the last 10 years. We They've always had an ag program in the past. It was centered around the stockyards um, and a lot of students um, in that program at the time, they would work in the stockyards and learn commodity trading, livestock grading, buying, selling, all of that through work at the stockyards. And so um, when the stockyards died in 1997, so did the ag program at Morningside. And eventually there is, I mean, this is a, a very heavy ag related uh, industry area, um, like much of rural America, anybody, you guys listening, everyone, um, similar to that. And so there's people in the area that said, we need an ag program at one of the schools in Sioux City. And so Morningside said, let's start it back up again. So um, I actually oversee all of our ag students that we require to work in industry for seven full months. Um, they work full time for seven months doing something that 
is hopefully related to what they want to do when they leave. And so that's kind of my job. I get to be a little bit of a life advisor to those college students in ag. And I've really, I've been doing this for about six years, five years. Um, and so I really enjoyed it and I love getting to do that with these students. So <laughs> how much shit does your family give you for moving to Iowa? <gasps> I mean, I know how much shit we give people for moving to Nebraska, I so I assume it's fairly, <laughs> well, fairly the even is, the other direction. I grew up like almost on the border and moved to almost on the border. So like the animosity is pretty real. Um, and I always like, I felt like there's more animosity to people in Iowa, like in Nebraska, you know, like, oh, Iowa, like you're moving to Iowa. And I legitimately cried for like, every day for two weeks leading up to it because I knew when I left, when I moved to Iowa, I was never coming back home because I was going to marry Mark. I was going to live there. The farm is there. Like you don't just up and move that. And so I did, I cried like every day knowing I was moving across the state or across the river. Um, but like the thing is everyone talks about football, like obviously Nebraska football is huge, but the thing is we don't have other teams in Nebraska to support where in Iowa, it's kind of different, you know, people who like Iowa State can hate the Hawkeyes and back and forth. Um, so it's just, it's kind of fun. But yeah, I, I'm barely in Iowa, if I can uh, throw that in there. I'm barely across the border. <laughs> I think one of the best things I've heard from doing a show for the last two seasons is how common that grief is about marrying into somebody else's family farm. And it I had no idea how hard it would hit me that it's very unlikely that we'll ever go house shopping, you know, or if we do, we'll be old and yeah. retiring. You know, it won't be a like, oh, we're starting our family together. It'll be a, this is where we're going to die kind of a thing, <laughs> Pretty you much, know, which yeah. is not as exciting as, <laughs> you know, oh, we're a young married couple looking to start our family. It's, you know, it'll be a very different transition. And it is hard to remember, no matter how much you love the farm, that this is where you're going to be unless you, you know, split your family up. This is, this is it. And that that is, yeah. the goal is for this to be it. Um, so I said earlier depressing. that, <laughs> wait, I said earlier, we're feeding out my dad's calves from, um, and I guess another side story, but my parents moved they have two places in Nebraska. There's one by Omaha. And then just in the last few years, they bought a ranch out in central Nebraska um, and moved all the cows out there because, like I said, living close to Omaha, like it was great for all these niche markets, but it also was miserable to raise cows outside of the city. And the city just kept growing. Um, my hometown is actually now home to a Facebook data center and very close to an Amazon fulfillment center and a, like all these data centers. And that's actually part of the reason that uh, most of the reason that we moved to the ranch um, was because a data center purchased our farm. And so it's like very bittersweet that my, the farm I grew up on is gone, but we got to move our cows to where they're supposed to be, quote unquote. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. What was I saying? Maybe. Sorry, I, this is where I'm flubbing. That's okay. <laughs> um, maybe something about like being tied to a oh, physical yeah. place. 
so my parents moved all the cows out to the ranch and now we get to feed the calves out in the feedlot that my husband and I work on and he goes to work every day and it's so it's it's fun to mesh those two family businesses together because when you leave your own farm when you grow up with that it's almost like you have to like refine your identity just like moving to a new area but like refining your identity in ag as someone who's doing something and and um that's so that's been really cool for me to mesh those two operations together well I think too and I don't know how universal this is but I bet it's fairly universal that there's this sense as the wife coming in that you're not really part of it that you're either you know marrying for money or you're just putting up with it you know and that those are kind of your two options and that it's not possible that you might want to be there even on days that you resent it you know I mean it's there's always hard days but I remind my boys my little boys because every once in a while they'll say well mom you're not a farmer mom you know you don't have cows and I'm like uh yes I do I my name is on the note just as much as your dad's I may not go there every day but I go to my own job that provides a lot of benefits so that we can do what we're doing on the farm. So that's something that I'm very adamant about, in, you know, incorporating into my kids at two and four, hopefully by the time they're, and they know mom drives tractors and can work cattle and do all that, but I, they don't see me get to do it every day. So I remind them often. I think that it's a really hard thing to remember too, is how much that off-farm income makes the on-farm income possible. And it is really important for our children and for everyone else to see how critical that is. Um, I know it certainly is for our family. So Definitely. I definitely agree with that. <clears throat> so one of the things we want to talk to you about today and the way that we actually found you is through Hungry Canyon Designs because uh, some of them are hilarious. And uh, so tell us about the inspiration behind Hungry Canyon and uh, what you what you're creating. Yeah. So Hungry Canyon is um, a place for pe I, I say people like us. And when I say that, I mean, people who um, relate to agriculture, we live the life. And I think when you do, when you know what I mean about people like us, you understand what I'm saying. Um, and card, I wanted cards for people like us. When I was dating Mark in college, I, um, went to go find a card for him for, um, Valentine's day and anything I found that spoke to us like car or, um, cows or tractors or whatever, they were always the wrong color or breed. And so like anything with a cow was always a dairy cow and we don't raise dairy cows. We raise beef cows and, uh, anything that was a tractor was a green tractor, I could never give a green tractor card to my husband, um, who is completely red tractor blooded. And so I, um, with that ag communications degree, I knew just enough to be dangerous about graphic design and art and website design and all like all those little things that go into the, like the branding and building of little businesses. And I thought, first, I'm going to start by making cards and I would give Mark a homemade card every year. Um, and then friends would ask me like, hey, can I buy this for my own significant other? And so I started uh, an Instagram page, a Facebook page, I started a website um, and started selling these cards and it turned into a full-fledged business. So uh, that's what I do. I 
I make cards for people like us that um, relate agriculture to in a funny or cute or meaningful way um, for people to give greeting cards and gifts to people like themselves. Melissa, I think the first card of yours that I saw was the one that says, I love you more than $7 corn, which Very is totally <laughs> people like us. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I feel like all the ag content I see is very, you know, so God made a farmer and live, laugh, love. And like, those things are all great and they all have their place. But it's, my husband knows me well enough after 11 years together to know that that is not the kind of card that I would be buying if I had other options, let's put it that way. Yep. So I, I was very excited up. to see other <laughs> options. When I, when I talk about that card, I love you more than $7 corn. I always follow that up with, and that's a lot. Cause I really love $7 corn. Although, you know, in the feedlot business, we don't love it quite as much, but taking grain to the co-op or, to, you know, selling it in town, you, you like that $7 corn, but, um, yeah, and that's the other thing is like, yes, the so God made a farmer and the like the cutesy, I don't know. I always I say it's almost like a little bit hokey in my business. I say it's a little hokey. It is. But it like I get the guys to giggle and laugh and like the gals they see it and you're like, "Wow, yeah, that's like exactly what it's like." I like some of my favorite cards that I make are um that's like farm wife advice. And one of them, and it's to be given for like bridal showers, um, weddings, things, friends, whatever. Um, but some of them, like the one that makes me laugh the most is um, men are men are only capable of multitasking when operating a loader tractor because they're running their feet pedal and their hand, the joystick at the same time. And if you've been married or you have a long-term husband, boyfriend, spouse, friend, like you know sometimes it's difficult for men to multitask, but when they're running the loader tractor, man, they know what they are doing. And so like the, you get it, like it makes you laugh and chuckle and it's true. There we go. And I know what you mean too about tractors being the wrong color. We're, uh, I married into an Alice family and Ooh, every time yeah. our little boy says John Deere, it's like I can see my husband just dying a little Maybe. every time. And, you know, trying to find anything with Alice Chalmers on it is, it's hard. Um, Noted. I'll, I'll make a note here. Orange. Well, my kids just, love the orange tractors. Yeah, so. <laughs> bust out the colored pencils and just color it yeah. in yourself. Make a little DIY set maybe. So how do you come up with your ideas? They come straight from the farm. Um, I feel like, and my husband is a very big help. Like you wouldn't think that, you know, some red-blooded, God-fearing American farm boy is going to be like the creator of all these poetic cards. Because some of them are pretty poetic and like heart, heartfelt. Um, but Mark is very creative and he's the one that he's on the farm every day. So he's and he kind of knows the style of cards that we come up with. And so he'll, there'd be days when he's scraping yards at the feedlot or running the green card or whatever. And he'll send me just a 10 texts in a row of all these ideas, but they come from the farm. So like, sometimes I feel like when I don't get to go work cattle or don't go get to help with harvest or go work on the farm very often, cause I'm preoccupied with 
a full-time job and my kids and the house and all that kind of stuff. Like I get into these creative dry spells, but when I'm on the farm, like that's where we come up with the ideas. And, and when Mark has these ideas and he'll send them to me, it's my job to kind of make them into something that I know people will buy or something that will um, speak to people in a, in a pretty way. So we, we make a good team that way. So what's your favorite thing that you've made? It's like, you got to say, pick your favorite kid, right? That's what everyone says. Well, that was actually my next question is for you to pick your favorite child. So it's a good warm up for you. The minute. Yeah. Um, The one who's causing fewer problems at the the moment, right? Um, I think one, it's like probably one of the very first cards that I ever made. And actually, I think my sister actually helped come up with it, but um, year and I have different, I have different favorites throughout the year, depending on the season of life or the season of whatever. Um, but one, it was love is getting the gate and then love is signing the operating note. And the little line that I always say is people like us understand that getting the love is getting the gate, but even truer love is signing the operating note. Like you are signing your life away you are just as much a partner in that operation as anyone else who signed that operating note, but that's a, that's love on the farm. Um, so that's a favorite. Um, some of the baby cards I've made have been really fun. Um, there's one it's, uh, things a cattleman should keep to himself when his wife is pregnant. And it's all the things that I won't uh, admit if my husband said these things or not, which Yes, he actually has some of them, but like, um, you're not supposed to say anything about like average daily gain or utter score or taking the, um, chains to the hospital, uh, pulling chains to the hospital. Like those are little things on there, but yeah, Katie and I are both <laughs> nodding because we're both from, uh, <laughs> livestock yeah. backgrounds too. Yeah. Uh, a one yeah. line I think I've heard before was, well, it's nothing I haven't seen before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. I'm a bovine midwife. Let me just step yeah. in there. Yeah. It's very similar to, uh, yeah. All the other I'll calving. Say too, I've seen. If you mention back fat thickness, um, <laughs> that's not going to go over well. It's just not. Yeah. 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 Calving ease. Yeah. 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 Calving ease, uh, estimated progeny difference was one I heard. Like, no, nobody. So, like those are fun. And I think that they don't, and I, I will say a lot of my cards have puns, which I think are very clever and I like to be clever. Um, but the ones that I really like love the most are the ones that are just like relating something on the farm in a, in a meaningful, cute way that we just get. So those are kind of my favorites. I have to say too, one of the things I appreciated was that looking through your catalog, I didn't see anything that was too like, oh, men, they're so helpless and stupid and useless because there's a lot of things where our husbands just don't get the practice. You know, we see so much crap about, you know, men can't dress babies. And I'm like, well, if I do it 99% of the time, why do I expect him to know what he's doing? But there's so much negativity towards letting men figure stuff out and... I mean, there's definitely a time and a place to make fun of them, but it's kind of obnoxious when people are making money off making fun of them. Like, yeah. I can make fun of my husband, but Hallmark cannot. Like, you could make fun <laughs> of my husband because you have a husband who is the same sort of person, I would guess. Yeah. But, but yeah, I totally agree with that. And there's like, I mean, I, I'm 
can only do the things that I do because my husband is as involved in the family and in the home and me on the farm opt like we get the all the two of us can only do all the things that we do because of the other like there's no you know I don't know and we all have our jobs we each have the things that we do that are the other one doesn't but I can't do it without him you know any any acc accolade or project or anything that I complete or get is because I have a supportive husband who's able to do that so yeah, and that gendered, you know, like whether it's in good fun or not, but some of that gendered, you know, like, oh, women are this way, men are this way, women can't do this kind of stuff. Like when we complain about being typecast as women or men, you know, it comes from that place, right? Like we, if we're, if we're trying to assert ourselves as women and finding roles for ourselves in agriculture, then we have to both fight against those stereotypes about us as well as not play into the stereotypes about men too right like we yeah. it, it comes from both sides like we we need to to kind of lay off on some of that you know that judgment or that negativity around well you know they can't do this or we can't do that kind of stuff because we all know people who are doing it no matter what exactly. what gender they are Except for well, that I, one about, sorry, the one about um, being able to multitask when they drive a loader tractor. I prefer to think that it is proof that they are capable of multitasking and they yes. are just <laughs> not being their best selves and applying. Yeah. They have it knowledge. within them. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a skill, I, right? I'll, <laughs> I'll say I'm the first person to cheerlead any, like, women, you can do it. Like you can do anything you set to my, your mind to, but I say that about anybody. Yeah. And I like, I'm not like that you can, I listen to some people on the radio or on TV and you hear all this feminism monologue. And I like, I'm not a, you know, woman hater. Like I think women can do anything, but I think we also do so many things because of, and men have the things that they can do too. And so there's like, we can't do it without the other. So there's just a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your other business. Remind me, is it Meet Me on Main? Meet Me on Main Street. Meet, meet Me on Main Street. So I'm curious about this. Are you hired by small businesses to run events or chambers of commerce or both? Or what kind of what is the, the model? That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, we, we You're just started getting started. <laughs> Because um, my friend Marissa and I, Marissa um, also lives in, she lives in town in Mobile in the town that we claim. Um, and the two of us have, over the last two or three years, put together some events that highlight small businesses in small towns. And like I said, bring like experiences that you would find in an urban setting to a rural area. And so um, the first event that we put together was called the Rural Route Ramble. We put it on three years ago in 2020. It was a, a weekend before the holidays where it kind of started out where we said, hey, let's get, we both had party buses at the time. We, my husband and I had a small business where um, he and his brother owned a party bus and we would be rented out and people could drive it around or we would drive it around for people. Um, and Marissa, her family also had a party bus for uh, personal use. And so we're like, we both have buses. Let's get together and find some friends and we'll go visit small businesses. Cause in our area, in Northwest Iowa, we have some incredible small businesses in teeny tiny towns 
that are just doing amazing things both online and in brick and mortar. And so we thought, let's get in the bus, take our friends, we'll go visit these businesses. And then the more we got into planning it, we're like, this is bigger than just a bus. We need to tell everybody about this. So I think we started planning it like in October and the weekend was one of the first or second in December um, in 2020 where people like small businesses were hurting. There is so many people who they had very little business the months ahead of that. And so we wanted to make a, a big, you know, difference for these small business owners and friends. And so um, we put it together, put it out online um, and said, here's the towns that we're showcasing. Here's the vendors. We charged a, a little vendor fee with that we used. Um, <clears throat> we used that vendor fee to promote the event. Um, and then people really, really loved it. And so we did it again last year and it was even bigger and better. I think we went from having 35 vendors the first year to about 50 last year. And then this year was even bigger and better. And we had over 75 different vendors in 13 small towns across Northwest Iowa. And it was a, it's really fun. And we like, we kind of jokingly call it the magic of the rural route ramble, but it does feel magical. You're out there with thousands of other shoppers visiting these small businesses in tiny towns or even not in towns. We have businesses that are out on their farm in rural areas that are just killing it in the small business world and showing people who may not know about that business before, um, show them who they are and then get a, give them a taste of it during that weekend. And then they know about them the rest of their life. Like they can go shop there anytime. It doesn't have to be the ramble or Christmas. Um, so that's kind of where it started. It Technically, we were kind of funneling all of that uh, funding through my Hungry Canyon business, and it got big enough where we're like, this has to be its own thing. We have to have its own business. Um, we do other events as well, kind of playing on the same theme of small business highlights. Um, but we have um, my this Marissa, she has a small business space in Mobile on Main Street that is available for rentals. And so um, it's a boutique rental space, and it's just a really nice thing to have in our small town where people can rent it for a baby shower or a work meeting or whatever. But we host small business pop-up shops and charcuterie workshops, and we have a list of ideas of all these things that we can host in there. But eventually, we'd love to um, be hired by maybe, possibly. She also has a full-time job. We got to see where this goes. But, you know, like uh, one thing we're we're working on this quarter is um, community event kits. And that's something that I've worked on personally in the past with uh, some other projects that I've done. But like, I want to take the things that I'm doing here, these events, these projects, these promotional things for commodity organizations and ag, like take what we're doing here, put it into a kit and sell it to someone so that they can do that too. Because there's movers and shakers in every town. They just maybe don't have the resources or the know-how or um, they want a step-by-step -step process of how to do what we did here in where they live. So that's kind of the next steps of that, that model. But um, it's been a really fun thing and it's really cool to do the things that we're doing in small town America in the country. I love the yeah, idea that's really of having neat. a and kit, sometimes too, because as someone who's also... Oh, go ahead, Arlene. 
Okay, well, now I'm just going to keep talking. Um, you know, as someone who's involved in a lot of community stuff, when you're trying to get relatively younger folks involved, you know, I think we're more likely to still have full-time jobs. We're more likely to have little kids, especially if you're talking about farmers. We've got all of that going on. And so I think for a lot of folks, there's enough energy to do the thing, but there's not enough time and energy to reinvent all reinvent all the wheels to do the thing absolutely and it's... that's exactly it like here's what we purchased and where here's how much we spent here's what you think about when you think about this this and this here's what you say when you call a business to ask them to donate something for this project here's like that's what i want to give you so that you can take that and just literally recreate it and you can i'm absolutely open to people re like putting your own spin on things you absolutely should but here's the basics of what it takes to do the bare minimum and just go do it. Like, let's just do more good. Let's do cool things wherever you are. Well, and I think even when you're, you know, talking about multiple groups in the same community, there's so much, well, our group is doing this and this group is doing this and they might be doing, you know, the things they're doing might be 95% the same, but because they're different groups, they can't possibly work together. And it's, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of resources. It's frustrating, um, for sure. So what are some of your future goals when it comes to Hungry Canyon and to the farm? Um, hmm. That's a good question. I, I am uh, the personality type that likes to set goals and have goals, but I also don't really like take dedicated time to set them. It's just like, oh, I think that would be cool. Let's do it. Um, so I, I don't have like legit set goals, especially and we're recording what January 4th. So <laughs> like I should have, if you're the personality type to set goals, I would have done that recently. But, um, I think my goals are just to do as, like I said earlier, like to do good. Like my, I feel like my, my business is, is a fun, it's a creative outlet for me. Um, when I'm teaching college kids. I'm not, I don't get to be as hokey and uh, creative as I maybe was in my first job, which was teaching elementary kids about ag. Like I got to do the creative stuff and the crafts and the things, and I don't get to do that as much. So Hungry Canyon has been a great creative outlet that way. Um, and then just to like keep, keep on keeping on. I, I think someone, you know, people talk about like, oh, I want to thrive in the next year. I'm just trying to survive like we're we're getting by you know be the best that I can for my kids and my husband and at my job and and try to do all the things but knowing full well that that's not possible in every area of every life so um I think with Hungry Canyon like I would love to create more of these community event kits um and it meshes really well with that meet me on Main Street and so it's kind of a a joint project there but like I want to be able to to do cool things in other people's towns too um that's kind of a motto that Mark and I have at home for the last few years is if you want cool things to happen in your small town you have to do cool things you sit around and no one's going to do them for you if you're not going to do it you know it's not going to happen so that's why we're involved in farm bureau and cattlemen and local politics and church and fair and all like all these little things these volunteer opportunities because we want these things to be around for our kids and also for us to enjoy too <clears throat> so being able to 
emulate that in these kits and help other people do that in their own areas, I think is, is one of my main goals for the next, the next little bit. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, a lot of those activities, I mean, it's easy to complain about, oh, well, they, they don't think about young families or they're, they're not catering to us, but if you're not at bare minimum providing input, and, you know, like you said, hopefully finding ways to be more involved than just providing input, then we can't really blame organizations for not catering to us if if they don't know what we want or what works or how things have changed or, you know, being being willing to, to change what they're doing to meet meet the expectations of the community. I agree. I completely agree with that. Yeah. So I was thinking about your um, your job at the the school, and um, I'm someone who's got a couple of teenagers, and I'm wondering if you have any uh, job search tips. It sounds like you would be uh, the kind of person who would be uh, good at uh, helping our teens and young adults find work. Do you have any uh, any tips for us? Yeah, I the, yeah I do. Um, <laughs> I that's my job here at Morningside. So um, these, I get these students that come in as freshmen in college and, and I'm in the ag department specifically. So the kids that I, uh, kids, the young adults that I'm working with specifically know that they like agriculture for some reason. And so uh, some of them come in and they're like, I know I'm going to go home to the family farm. I'm just here to get the degree. Mom and dad told me to do it. Or I know I want to learn X, Y, and Z when I'm here and then leave. Um, and go do this job. Um, but some students have no idea what they want to do. And that's okay, too. I tell them it's no matter where you're at, you can always figure it out. Um, but a lot of times I tell, I start, I teach my students, I get them freshman year in a class. And then one of the first things I have them do is a job shadow. No consequence, low consequence. Um, you're not contracted. You're not getting paid. You're not doing a job. You're just there to over to see what that job is like. So maybe someone knows that they like the food industry, the food service industry, or they like greenhouses, or they like whatever. Go see what someone does in that job for a few hours. I make them do 12 hours for the assignment, and then I have questions and an assignment that goes along with it, but it's no consequence. Like, you don't have, you can leave and never go back again. Um, and then the next step is if you liked it, okay, let's see if you can do an internship or a part-time job. If you didn't like it, okay, cool. That's really good to know. I'm glad you know that you don't like that. Let's do something different. Maybe it's related to what you were looking at first because you obviously were interested in that for some reason. So what part of it did you like? Was it the people? Was it the um, the industry? Was it the topic? Like what part of it was it? And, and let's find something that's relatable but not the same and see if you like that. And so helping them go through that step and um, – do the internship and then the more ex like experience that they get and that's our our slogan or motto at Morningside is experience matters and the whole institution is very in tune to giving students experience because you leave school and what do job seekers or people who you want to do business with what do they look at your experience what have you done where have you been what have you learned, like not necessarily what have you learned in a class or what does your degree say, but what have you done and experienced? And so getting out there and doing that, I think, is probably the best advice 
that anyone could could give someone who's looking for um, career advice, whether you're in high school or out in adult. Like if you're not happy with the job that you have, what part of it do you like and what parts do you not? There's other things out there. Ask the questions, follow someone around, do like do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes knowing what you don't want to do is just as important as knowing what you do want to do, right? Cross, Absolutely. Crossing a few things off the list is is yeah. a good is a good step, and better to do that before you get a degree and decide at the end that yes. that it really isn't the path you want to take. It's it's so sad to me to see students leave after paying for four years of college and still not know what they want to do. And I I like to think that we know enough about what we're doing here. I've been in my job for five years now, so I've seen five groups of students leave. And the longer I've been here, the more it's been like, okay, those kids know what they're doing. Like they have a good idea. They're going to go out and they're going to move mountains in whatever part of the industry they're going into. And and I can see that. And I'm I'm thankful that I, I get to be part of that, but that we are really in tune to doing that here specifically. But yeah, it's sad for me to see people leave and not know what they're doing. Yeah, I think it's also important. I'm I'm guessing in the, the internship program that the kids, even the ones who are going back home to farm, have to work for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with them, I, I say this and I do some of the recruitment for the ag department too. So like when I'm meeting with students that are in high school looking to come to Morningside to get an ag degree, I say, the ones that say they're going to go home to the farm, like I have a soft spot in my heart for you. That's what my husband does. That's what my sisters have done. Like that's what we all married farmers. Like we all, that's what we do. We, we did that. And so I'm going to work with you specifically to find out what do you need to learn to take back to your farm? Mm -hmm. You're not going to go home and be a hired man. You're going to go home and be a partner in your operation. Like, is it marketing? Is it crop scouting? Is it livestock? Is it like what piece of ag do you need to learn about to take back with you? And let's do that while you're here at school. So when you leave, you can go out and be a force on your own operation. Yeah, that's right. And make the contacts that you need for the future, right? Not not just the yeah. contacts that your 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 mom has, that your dad has, that that you already have in your community, but a wider range of of people that you can draw on in the future. So yeah, that 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 place is yours. And just the experience of of you know, having to listen to someone other than mom or dad or grandma or grandpa yeah Yeah. mom and dad aren't so bad after going somewhere else (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) yeah well I think it's so great too to talk about job shadowing because it seems really unfair that we're asking 18 year old kids to pick what they're going to do forever with most of them very very little experience at the thing that they're picking you know and so it seems pretty uncool to be like, hey, just come up with something that you think sounds interesting or that somebody might pay you for, and then commit the rest of your life to that with no real understanding of what that's going to mean for you. Yeah. Um, so you're raising two little ones on the farm, and one of the reasons we started the podcast is because of the isolation that comes with being a parent, especially in rural areas. Um so what was that transition like for you to to move into being a mom as well as a complete human in your own right? 
Um, I think that if we talked about this earlier, but like my husband had a big part in that. He has as much as he's involved on the farm, like he is the one that comes home and if he makes supper, he makes or gets home in time for supper, he's there and he is someone that's you know, helping mind the kids and tell them that they have to eat their vegetables and helps with bath and bedtime and, you know, that kind of stuff and takes them to daycare in the morning. Like he does all the things that you would hope would be in like a 50-50 parenting uh, situation. And so that's been, that was really helpful, especially because I moved away from my family and I had two sisters who um, we, we all three are having kids at the same time. And all three of us live in completely different places. I'm two hours from the one and seven from the other. And so um, the three of us, you know, we talk about how we each don't have help in our own way, um, whether that's being close to home or not close to home. And my husband's family is very in, um, helpful and involved as well. So um, they're, they're very helpful. So that has been good. Um, the part about like watching kids grow up on the farm was always like, I don't know, I, a dream. Um, like Mark and I both did that. We lived that life growing up and we wanted that for our kids. And so it was important to um, do the things that we do so that we can live on the farm and raise our kids on the farm. And um, when I, when I first had both kids, um, I feel like, Social media is different today than it was even two years ago. Um, Instagram specifically, I have built a lot of my business through Instagram and have quite like a, a good following and felt like I had a really good community on Instagram leading up to um, the pandemic. And then I don't know what happened with social media, like algorithms and community. And it's just, it's different today for me. And I think for a lot of people too than it was before. And that's, I really found community in farm moms on social media because like you say, it's isolating. Like you don't have, you don't go to town and, you know, go to a tennis club or to a, like you maybe make it to story time at the library, but you don't have all these things that these, these podcasts are telling you to do. And so, um, I found those people on Instagram and my second kid, Charlie, he, was so colicky when he was a baby and he cried constantly. And I would share about that on social media. And I don't know how many moms messaged me and would like talk me off the ledge of, you know, how hard it is because they went through it too. And here's what they did. And so having that community, like that was a real thing. I felt like I had to like explain myself when I would tell my husband what I learned from someone on the internet even though they're just like us, they just live in a different place. And it's like, you found that community and it's, I am like mourning Instagram a little bit because it's not the same as it used to be because I really loved that about social media. Um, so that was helpful in that transition, but yeah, I think, um, having kids on the farm is to me, it is living the dream, being able to take them outside and you know, see the farm like through their eyes, just like we did when we were kids. I love that. There's nothing, nothing better for me. So have they started telling you guys how to run the farm yet? <laughs> yeah, I think that I was just, it's funny. I was just going through all my posts on Instagram from last year as like a nostalgic rabbit hole thing I did yesterday. And one of them was 
it was going to be really soon before we could leave the boys in charge uh, of the farm and leave for the weekend because they, yeah, they know a lot. <laughs> Lots of opinions, right? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, this feels like a good place to put in a plug, not just for you, Melissa, but for our listeners, that one of the things that Katie and I did start along with the podcast is a Facebook group. Um, so if you look up, it's in the show notes, but the Barnyard Language Podcast group is hopefully a place where we can have those kinds of conversations and look for support and also share the, you know, funny stuff that maybe uh, non-farm parents don't really understand. <laughs> Arlene and I actually met in the Facebook parenting group for Ranch Moms that was a spinoff from another parenting podcast. But one of the, the things I remember the most about having that first kid was all these people who were like, well, I can't cloth diaper because I'd never put poop in my washing machine. And I was like, I wouldn't have a washing machine if I had to replace it if it got poop in it. Like, we are not samesies, obviously. Yeah. And parenting is hard enough without having to explain stuff like that to people. Um, we just know. did it. Yeah, yeah, like, we just like have that. to buy new clothes every day. Like, that would just yeah. be the end of it. Sometimes I do try to keep the barn clothes and the other clothes in separate cycles, but, I mean, even that <laughs> doesn't always happen, right? Depends how. I at least try to keep the, the chore clothes separate from, like, dish towels. <laughs> yeah. That seems... Yeah, you're delicate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, know. I, I try to separate, but the yeah. whole, like, I would Not never wash color. anything with poop. I was just like... That's yeah, that's weird. exactly it. Like, how dirty is it and with what? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what right. I separate by. Yeah. Yeah. All so right. you kind of already mentioned this, but what for you is the best part of raising kids on the farm? Other than kicking I them think... outside whenever they... Uh... Yeah, that is <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, I think it's being able to see the farm through their eyes. Um, and like... I don't know. They just, it's so funny. Like they, and I think every kid does this, but like collect rocks or like they find the manure pile that maybe accidentally had a dead animal in it and they go find dinosaur bones or they like drag stuff in the house or what, you know, it's just like funny because yeah. you know, your mom and your grandma and your great grandma, they all had the same experience with their kids when it was their age, no matter what time yeah. of life. The collection of was. cow teeth. Does anyone else yeah. have one? <laughs> yeah. They are the very one. funny looking. My child is only collecting live animals at this point. So that's. You are so lucky. That is what it is. Um, yeah. The girl child is lobbying for another cat, Arlene. Uh, Melissa, we already have five cats in the house, but she thinks that we should bring Biscuit in from the barn as well. So. That's how it works. Yeah. You start with one. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what do you find to be the most challenging part of farming, of parenting on the farm? The most challenging part of parenting on the farm? Um, I think that winters are hard. Um, the, I, this year, when you talk about New Year's resolutions, there's, I, I saw someone post something recently that was like, I'm not counting numbers in 2023. And I thought, I really liked that. You know, you're not counting calories. You're not counting your weight. You're not counting, you know, how many hours of this you did. But I did. I just printed out a calendar because I am keeping track of a couple of things this year. And one of them is number of hours outside. 
Um, because we, that's how good is it for your kids? Just go be outside. How many problems do we have in life? Because there's too many people that sit inside too much. So I am tracking that and I'm tracking, um, the number of volunteer hours we do this year just to have an idea. But like the winters are so hard inside when your kids just want to be outside so badly. Um, so I think that's, that's maybe the most challenging part. <laughs> At this age, at my, my toddler stage. Our almost five-year-old son has a forked stick that he keeps all summer to plow the front yard so that he can prepare it for planting. And he went out yesterday and plowed snow with it. So, well, yeah, yeah it's, four, um, right? <laughs> it's getting to that point that I'm like, I don't, if it's above zero, you're going outside. I don't, I don't care. Sorry, kids. It's, yep. I can't with both of them in the house. So I was looking at your Instagram. We've already talked a little bit about social media. And I noticed that you talked about your mom being diagnosed with cancer this past fall. And I was wondering if that was something. Um, I know that's her medical stuff. And I don't want to know details necessarily. But I was just wondering how she's doing. And um, you mentioned that it was cervical cancer. And I just, as another woman, I was wondering, you know, like what types of things we should be looking for. Like what's a symptom and yeah how she's doing and how you're being a supportive daughter from a distance and with all the other stuff that you're doing in your busy life yeah um I don't think I am an expert by any means in any of those categories and there's a lot of growth that I can do in each of them as well um but just like over overarching I can say um mom is doing fine for now she's um going through chemo treatments so those are about every three weeks and she's doing that um, with the hope that we can do some surgery to remove some masses from inside um, here in the next month, two months or so. Um, so that's, we're being hopeful that way. <clears throat> um, as far as like keeping a, a watch out or symptoms, I'm not, I don't know if I have any specific advice except to go to your doctor. Um, I think a lot of times like, okay, here we are, we live how many, you know, and I live an hour from the doctor. Um, I know there's people that live way farther than that you get busy with life, you get busy with your kids, you get busy with work, um, go to your doctor's appointments every year. They are important. They are, um, another thing I think we can think of as people in agriculture, farmers and, um, people in rural life, like, oh, I don't need to know. I don't need that. I don't need that person. I don't need to go to the hospital. I don't need medicine. Um, and that's not what they're going to tell you every single time, but go to the doctor, find one that you trust and, um, keep up on your appointments. And then if you think something's wrong, go get it checked out. Like the worst they're going to tell you is, or the best they're going to tell you is, oh no, you're totally fine. Everything's good. Um, but what if it's not? So um, go to the doctor. And um, as far as being a supportive daughter, I talk to my mom on the phone. We text the, the sisters and I and mom and dad, we all have Snapchat groups and send pictures of the kids and that kind of stuff. And we were just home for Christmas, which is really good to get everyone together um, and do that for a couple of days. And, um, but yes, technology is amazing. My kids talk with grandma on FaceTime and check in with grandpa on FaceTime and, um, you know, they do all those things. So we're just, everyone's trying to make the best of it and be optimistic and, um, hopeful. Yeah. So we, uh, we, will hold space for her too and hope that all of the treatments that she has coming up go well and that, that her and her doctors have a good plan moving forward. 
I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I think it's critical to point out, too, that I know so many people who've been in that position and they don't want to waste the doctor's time because they're sure it's nothing. And I guarantee that your doctor would much rather see you when it's nothing than to have something. I think that's true, too. When you circling back to, like, new parenthood, you your kid, like, kids are just sick constantly. No matter how much you try to build their immunity by letting them eat dirt and manure and play in the barn <laughs> they still get sick all the time and go take them to the doctor like they're not gonna shake their head at you for coming in and getting checked out <laughs> and so I think that is relatable in every age of life and in, in all parts of this conversation is just go <laughs> well and it's absolutely a privileged thing to say too because I know not everybody has health insurance or good health insurance and not everybody has a choice of other doctors but if your doctor's a dick and makes you feel like you're being stupid for being there for whatever you're there for, you need a new doctor. That's yeah. not on you. That's on your doctor. Um, you know, I just... 100%. Even if you are overreacting, your doctor should still not be a dick about it. <laughs> we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up to ensure that you win. Oh, gosh. Um... Hmm. Well, I, every year I do try to enter something in the county fair. Uh, one of the, another one of those things, like they're not going to keep having the open class building at your county fair if people don't keep taking stuff in, no matter how old you are. Um, so my, I make sure my kids and I always enter a few things, and I always take cinnamon rolls. And this year I was uh, beat by a third grader. I'm not happy about that, but uh, <laughs> was um, I do try to take a baked good. Um, so I probably have to say some kind of baking, even though I was just, you know, routed from my champion cinnamon roll role at the county fair, but. Are you going to have like a grudge match am, situation yeah. next year with this kid? I think her grandma made them. She didn't even ah. live in the county. So. Mm -hmm. Sounds yeah. like a ringer. I'm not holding a grudge. You no, that's tell. not at seems, all. Seems not questionable. All. Yeah. Cinnamon yeah, rolls are pretty I complicated. <laughs> I mean, fine if you're going to make them, but at least put your own name on them, right? Like, I know, go yeah. ahead, go ahead, Grandma. You can meet Melissa, but <laughs> not your granddaughter. Yeah. So I guess we'll move into our cussing and discussing segment. We've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe, where you can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us, and we will play them on the show. So go to speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo, or check the show notes. I think the link's in there. Or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com, and we will read it out for you. So Katie, have you remembered what you're going to cuss and discuss this week? No, and now I'm going to get a little meta about it. I am cussing and discussing, having to remember what I was going to cuss and discuss, because I had some really good thing to cuss and discuss this week, and it's totally gone. It's disappeared. So, yeah. You'll probably remember as soon as we stop recording. Oh, I'm sure I will. Or I'll wake up at like 3 a.m. and be like, this was the thing. You know, at my normal waking up with music from Encanto stuck in my head time, <laughs> I'm sure I can also wake up with the cussing and discussing topic in my head. Um, Melissa, what do you have to cuss and discuss? So is this anything? Like a... Anything. Eddie? Okay, I have something I just thought of. This is something that I will fight to the death. And it is when people are on TV and they say they're from a small town 
and you Google their town and it's like 20,000 people <laughs> because that is not a small town. Yes. Not a city. So people who say they're from a small town who aren't, that's what yeah. I guess. Not yeah. fair. No, they don't so know. What is the population boundary for a small town? Oh, and I'm probably going to get heat for that. But no, do I, it. I feel like a small town is like 2000 or less. And that's like, that's like big, like a 2000 is like the cutoff. Cause if you're like over 2000 or 2,500, like you probably have a, like a, a big grocery store, a couple gas stations, a McDonald's, maybe some kind of fast food restaurant. 2000. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a decent number. 20,000 is not even close. That's not even a town. That is a city. So, Melissa, other other hard-hitting uh, hot take. When you take your kids to State Fair for the first time, will you be going to Des Moines or to Lincoln? Ooh. Oh, yes. This is a, a big, you know, big Midwestern funny. question. Right oh, there. This, is, this is maybe the hot take in Iowa. We took them to the Clay County Fair this summer, and we consider that better than the State Fair in Iowa. But that's the Western Iowa in me talking um, so we haven't taken them to either state fair, but I don't know. It's about the, it's about the same distance to both. So I did grow up going to the Nebraska state fair a lot. Yeah. But the Iowa state fair has the butter cow. I know they do, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you could take I'm them to both. I'm sure they're not the same weekend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Arlene, what do you have for cussing and discussing this week? So I am cussing uh, toll roads because I just got a letter in the mail um, recently. My daughter and I went prom dress shopping in New York, and I accidentally drove on a toll road. I forgot to put into my GPS that I did not want to drive on any toll roads, and it was on like I drove on and then back off again because that was like the way that it rooted me. And they're just obnoxious. Like, why can we not just like have roads that everybody can use? Like. Let's just like drive on the roads and not have to pay for them. I don't like it. I feel like they're unfairly biased against country people too. Because you always look like a jackass when you're like, I got to find change for this thing. What is this newfangled thing? And uh, That does give me anxiety. Yeah. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah these ones are just like, they, they take your license plate and then send it to you in the mail. So, but still it's like, oh, wait a second. That's a scanner thing. I didn't want to go on this road, but too late. And then you get charged for not having a transponder. Well, yeah, because I don't want to drive on this road. I never planned to. <laughs> So now I have to pay a U.S. $2 and some kind of sense bill that I've got to figure out how to uh, to pay online someday. But yeah, just like let's just use our taxes for roads that everybody gets to use. I was going to ask if you needed me to mail your $2 in for you early. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I can figure it out. It seems like there's an online right. option. So I think we should be good. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today, Melissa. If people want to find out more about you and your farm and your business, where should they find you online? Um, they can find me on Hungry Canyon on Instagram and Facebook. And um, I have a website. It's HungryCanyonDesign.com. And you can find all the Hungry Canyon goods your heart desires on there. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on, Melissa. Thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. 
go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyard language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.